Grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender HD on Twitter. Blender Ed, right? That's what it really means. The E and the A, they're gone. Whatever. Someone has my Twitter name. If someone ha- if someone could find the guy that has Twitter.com slash Blender Ed, hasn't tweeted in God knows how long. It's a locked account. Only has like six followers. Someone can get in contact with them. Uh, maybe there's a monetary reward, so I can actually have the Twitter name of Blenderhead, so people don't think that I'm high definition blending. But we 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 can't worry about that now. We got to worry about my apple juice. I still got the regular apple juice here. If you want to keep it cold, you hit that thumbs up button here on YouTube. Hit the thumbs up button. Hit the subscribe button if you, if you're not subscribed here. We go live uh, two or three times a day here on this YouTube channel and. Uh, and uh, hit the notification bell to know when we go live. And if you're listening in the podcast form, DFS pregame show, you can search for it. You can listen to this later and uh, rate and review it in iTunes. But of course, my YouTube people, they're, they're the priority. Coming here live and asking your strategy questions. We'll talk a little bit about last night. We'll talk a little bit about today. I don't know how much about today. we got a three-game slate and... And uh, DraftKings, apparently, DraftKings did a decent enough job of uh, pricing up the Clippers because uh, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Pat Beverly will be sitting today. And FanDuel did a little bit, a little bit less of a job, but that's that's kind of normal, right? FanDuel's pricing tends to be a little bit softer anyway. So I don't know if there's that much to talk about today. Who, who knows? Who knows if even there could be contact tracing with COVID and one of these games get canceled. We saw it yesterday. Right, we saw it yesterday with the Pels and the Spurs, which which was was bad for me because I was I was targeting that game. I was playing a bunch of uh, Deontay Murray. I mean, a bunch of. I was playing five lineups. So, but I was playing like three out of my five lineups were Murray plus Ingram or Zion, because on a ten game slate, I thought that was that was going overlooked. I thought that game more so. So I had to switch out a lot of stuff. So I had to, by by eight o'clock, I had to I had to make some switches. I ended up on more of the Portland Oklahoma City game, which was kind of the chalk game of the night. Uh, we had uh, Dwight Howard as as chalk. Uh, the shooting guard position yesterday was awful uh, because uh, they we didn't have that much value. I mean, other than Howard at the center spot, it felt like I wanted to play as many centers as I could. There were other centers to play. But that shooting guard spot was very tough to fill. And that's why Hamadou Diallo with uh, George Hill out, even though Diallo did not get the start, Maladon got the start. Uh, you didn't know who, who they were going to close with. Are they going to close with Diallo? Are they going to close with Maladon? They ended up closing with Maladon. But Diallo is a high usage player in the second unit anyway against the, the Blazers' awful defense. So he ended up being very chalky in the shooting guard spot. Small forward, we had options. A lot of times, small forward, we don't have options, right? So we had Toby Harris and Gordon Hayward, Ben Simmons even fit in there. I mean, he didn't get there. Jeremy Grant, Norman Powell did well. Jared Culver, I guess, is a cheap option. Derek Jones. But that shooting, I mean, look, take a look at a shooting guard on this list uh, of the ownership in the fadeaway. Like you have shooting guard 43% and then where? And then where we go? Where would, I don't even see. Okay, Kendrick Nunn. That, Kendrick Nunn didn't even project that well. Okay, so that wasn't even a good option. He was like 6K. Okay, so now you're scrolling down even more. Wayne Ellington. Okay, he had a decent game, right? So you really were, were stuck. Right, Culver's here. He only had four, 4.75. DeLon Wright, he was he was the key. Right, he had a big game, 56.75. He had a 10x score. J- 
Jalen Brunson, I mean, he was an option. I had him in one lineup. So like on one lineup, what I did was I played, I played Zach Levine and Marcus Smart. It was smart on this list. Yeah, Smart's here, 12%. So as leverage in one of my lineups, I played Smart and Levine in my guard spots and then like kind of played the chalk out. They played Anthony, played Howard, <clears throat> played either Curry or Lillard or some, something like that, SGA. I played one lineup with Hayward and Vooch. Vooch had a great day. Uh, came in much more under-owned than Bam. Bam was kind of the chalk pay-up center. Most of the most of the constructions were Howard, Adebayo, Diallo, Anthony. You paid up for one guard, either Kari Lilly, Lillard or Luca, SGA. Uh, if you paid up at small forward, you got Harris. If you paid down, you got like a Powell or, or Diallo. You played Diallo in the small forward spot because you were playing like Marcus Smart in the shooting guard spot. So like that was like the main construction. And because of that construction, I thought like Adebayo, 32% owned, Vooch, 11% owned. So like a 3X difference in ownership doesn't make sense when, yes, Adebayo was projected slightly more, but not that much more by maybe about one and a half median points. So that's why I played. I, I tried to build my constructions where I was not play. If I was playing Howard and Adebayo, I had to get different elsewhere. Like I couldn't play like one of that's, that's the lineup that had like smart and Levine in it, or you play Howard and then you play Howard Vooch. And that's where you get the leverage. Or I played one lineup that I played Bam and Vooch and didn't play Howard. But in that lineup, I played Toby Harris and he, I mean, I guess he put up 38 points, but it's not like he got anywhere. So that was the type of thinking that I was going into the slate. I did play some Ricky Rubio, I played some like Curry plus Green plus Rubio plus Vander, Vanderbilt, you know, type of game stacks there. But a lot of that was just due to the fact that, you know, my my Deontay Murray plus Zion slash Ingram lineups, I had to move somewhere. Because at that point, I couldn't play. I couldn't play the Sixers. I couldn't play. I couldn't play Adebayo anymore. But couldn't play Dallas. I couldn't play. I couldn't play any of those guys. So I had to move somewhere. And being the fact that my my San Antonio, New Orleans uh, combinations were the leverage in those lineups, right? They, they were the leverage. So to go and go, well, I'm going to switch it over to some like Oklahoma City, Portland, like defeats the purpose of the lineup, right? So I thought like, well, what's the point? And I'm, I'm looking, I'm staring at my cash lineup practically. So, so that's why I'm going to, you know, the Minnesota Golden State game rather than the Portland, Oklahoma City game. So this is what I mean by construction and the contest that you're playing. Like I didn't need to go nuts though because I was playing like smaller field contests. But you can see here in the in the large field fadeaway, the winning lineups, I say lineups because it got tied three ways. The winning lineups had Dwight Dwight Howard in it. Dwight Howard, you know, didn't even didn't even close. I think he only played like what 16 minutes or something? At 15 and a half points. He was 62% owned. Still in the winning lineup, right? All three, UConn slam twice in RBX. But that's what happens when, if you're able to, if you're able to get Luke and LeBron last, last night, you won. Yeah, it, it just, at the points with this amount of, with the lower ownership on these two guys in comparison to uh, Curry, Lillard, those guys, because even Diallo, like Diallo really, I mean, for 3,900, he only got 21.75 points. 
4,200, 15 points. I mean, you basically need DeLon Wright, Norman Powell. Cantor had a great game, 5% owned. So as long as you had a Luka-LeBron type of combination, there aren't many of these combinations. Luka-LeBron, DeLon Wright. Like, it basically came down to, like, who would, whoever was in small forward or, or, or center, really, as long as you got points. Now, if Luka and LeBron were more owned, then maybe a Dwight Howard lineup wouldn't have won. Maybe a Hamadou Diallo lineup wouldn't have won. Because even when we take a look at UConn Slam's fourth lineup, so here we go. Still Howard in here. What's the first lineup without Howard? Okay, here we go. Here's there's four, uh, fifth place, but still like way behind. Still like 15 points behind. So no Howard. Ellington, Jackson, Wright, just three Pistons. Curry, Vanderbilt, Cantor, Luca. So basically no LeBron. So Luca without LeBron. Ah, it's Pat. Still has a Howard lineup with Luca and LeBron. It seems it seems like, like you could have played Howard in a winning lineup as long as you have LeBron or Luca, because that and it would make sense because you need a cheap center to fill in those those spots. See here Howard up here, here's Howard, another Howard, here's Tony Bradley, right? But still no LeBron, so you have Luca, but you still don't have any LeBron, so that's why you're still twenty two points behind first. Marla Hooch, Luca, but no, but no LeBron. Here's Luca with no LeBron. Here's Luca with no LeBron. Yeah, basically, basically that combination. Okay, we got a Luca LeBron. Okay, here we go. This is one without Howard, but it essentially has Tony Bradley on the other side. Right, one percent on Jake Layman. Right, how many points behind was this? Twenty-four. So you still got Luca Delon, Isaiah Roby had a decent game. LeBron Bam. So he switches this out to Vooch. And Cole Anthony, and then finds, I don't know, Jake Lehman. Okay, I guess so. Here's a Howard lineup also. So, like, you you, you could have won with Dwight Howard yesterday. People were tilted him. But you could have won. But the only reason, understand this. Understand the dynamics of Stars and Scrubs types of builds like this. They win when the Stars go nuclear. Because you can't find, I mean, essentially you're, you're, it's, it's not, it's not that you're rostering Dwight Howard. It's that you're rostering Luca plus Dwight Howard for 14.9 and getting over a hundred points, right? You're getting LeBron also with 75. And that's why you could like, you need 4k level players in order to make this lineup. So if they go significantly over their median. I think Luke's median last night was like 59 or something, 60. LeBron's was like 55, 54. Like that's significantly over. We're talking about like 85th percentile outcomes plus. And if they, if you get two of those guys, no matter what their price is, then obviously you could survive a 15 point Dwight Howard because the only way to make this lineup is by playing a cheap center pretty much. Same for uh, playing a cheap small forward. You still need, probably still need a DeLon Wright because, see, I mean, he went for 10X. But that's that's what you're building these GPP lineups for when you're doing stars and scrubs. If Luca only gets on a 10-game slate, obviously on a three-game slate, raw points, it doesn't matter. Luca and LeBron get 60, that's fine. But on a large slate like this, like we had last night, 
Like if Luca just gets 60 and LeBron gets 60, just like, which is great for, for them. 60. Okay. Do you take 15 points off here? You take 26 points off here. And this lineup is, woohoo, it goes down further. Now the non-Howard lineups win. So that's what you're hoping for when you're doing stars and scrubs in, in GPP. So it doesn't necessarily matter that like, well, only Ahmed Uliano only put a 21 points. Well, that's, that's all you need. Especially at the ownership of these two studs. We should take a look at uh, some of some of the, the top guys from yesterday. Look, RBX won. Had 150 lineups. One playing 96% Dwight Howard. I mean, the winning lineup had Dwight Howard, but Jeremy Grant, 40%. Ricky Rubio, 41%. And we can see the differences in strategies here, like ending, not as many Howard lineups, but a lot more Diallo lineups. And no Adebayo, barely any. So the common build was Howard Adebayo. So where did ending get leverage? Isaiah Roby, okay, that's more of a power forward. I'm looking at center eligible players. Vooch, there you go, 36%. Looking for center eligible players. A little bit of Jokic, right? There you go. Some Jokic pay up at center options. Still going to still Levine, pay up at shooting guard. Jalen Brown, pay up at shooting guard. Harry Giles, pay down at center, but not for not for Howard. Pay up for Harden. I mean, he, he didn't do all that well. Kyrie Irving. Jaden McDaniels even, okay. So I'm scrolling down here, Robert Williams in 10% of his lineups, why not? A cheap center that's not Howard, but looking to pay up in other spots. So ending was flipping his construction, his, her, whatever, I don't know. That was the primary strategy. Still probably had a couple of Howard BAM lineups, but predominantly looking to flip Flip the script. I mean, we could even take a look at uh, Royal Pain. So a lot of people, a lot of like, we take a look, Yukon Slam, uh, it's Pat, Royal Pain. Kind of, yeah, I'm going to eat the Howard, but go under on Bam because, you know, the two, the double center Howard at a bio build was the chalk construction. So see Royal Pain at center. Maybe played some Draymond Green at center. Here, here's Vooch. Yeah, here you go. 65% Vooch. So there you go. So Royal Payne was thinking more like me. Still had Jalen Brunson as, you know, to fill a shooting guard spot with someone that's not Hamadou Diallo. Theo Maladon, right? Because he came out as, as the starter. So look at the difference. Maladon was 5.4% owned and Diallo was 43.6% owned. So once that starting lineup came out, you should have you should have considered at least Switching a whole bunch of your lineups because the field was not going to react. And yes, I know Diallo put up what an extra seven points more than Maladon, five points, four points. Is Maladon is 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 Diallo going to outscore Maladon more than eight times as often? No. So given that fact, if 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 you have a especially if you have a chalky lineup with Diallo in it, just switch Diallo with Maladon. Who cares if you leave a couple of hundred on the table? There you go, and that's what and that's what some people and some of them did. Maswa, Brick seventy five, UConn Slam. That's what they did. Take advantage of of late swap. Why not? I mean, I'm looking through 
through here. I mean, like the differences in strategies, Oz, Pat, like basically an E. Hafner, like not much on Lillard. Okay. See, E. Hafner, like not much on Anthony. I mean, he had 42% Anthony, so that's still plenty. Less on Curry, but tons of Luca. So still played Howard, tons of Luca. Shy, so probably Shy and Anthony were paired together. Then we go down, we see LeBron. Okay, so an 8% on LeBron. Uh, Kyle Lowry, 36%. See, 5% Siakam was out. Enos Cantor, 23% here. Harry Giles, Anthony Edwards. What's this? James Harden. Okay, here we go. Pay up at shooting guard or, you know, and use Lowry instead of Curry. So those were the bills. Jane McDaniels. I don't know if that's a late swap. It's very hard to tell because we're seeing it after the fact. But I mean, if you had like Deontay Murray projected well yesterday against the Pelicans. So I'm, I'm, I would have assumed if that game played, he would have came in around 20% owned. So that ownership had to go somewhere after lock. So I'm assuming some of these, some of these Jaden McDaniels or whatever are just like swaps. I mean, I guess he could have before the slate said, I'm going to play a bunch of this guy. I don't know. KZ Opala. Well, that couldn't have been a late swap. That game was on 730. So who was that? Royal Payne 21. I guess just finding a, finding a small forward instead of Diallo that fit in, I guess. Like, what's his Diallo? He has a little bit under. He's like, like 63%. It's still plenty. Trying to figure out what builds still project well, but, you know, offer... Offer an ownership discount. Offer, you know, they're using Cobbinertronics, what's less less likely to be used. Where can I find my leverage? And that's what I look through in Results DB. This is, this is what you should be doing every day in the morning. We update this in the morning. They make sure to update this for me so I could go through all of this. This is what I'm looking through. Well, how are their constructions? Not who did they pick. Right, I could I can make fun of all you want. Jane McDaniels, okay, that's that's kind of weird. Kaze Opala, that's that's kind of weird. It's like why? Didn't have it could have been any cheap small forward. It could have been any. It could have been any any. It's like okay, what what what's the constructions they were going with? So obviously it's gonna it's gonna lean more towards the chalk. Obviously we were seeing that here. They they're using chalky players. For the most part, how'd they get different? And you could you could extend this to the actual lineups also. You could go through. But once you get used to seeing, you know, exposures, you could get a sense. That's why I like the color coding here on results DB. You could go to rotogrinders.com slash results db and do this yourself. Like this is the full screen. A lot of people have asked, like, well, how do I do this? Like, I'm just using the I'm just using it so you could see the whole screen. But normally the screen would look like this, the toggle full screen. So look, I could, I could, I could select, I could take, take these guys off, right? So I got nothing, right? So I could go right here just to show the results DB for the day. And look, these are the contests that we have up right now. They're probably gonna add more. I'm gonna go to the fadeaway or the mega eights or the rotation player or wherever I wanna go. Let's say you let's say you play the the jab step or something. 
You go there. You see. Well, yeah, it looked like UConn slammed it a whole lot of slamming. Well, he did a whole lot of slamming. So you go there. And then, then you see, you could see all the lineups. You could click through. Go to ownership tab. Then you could see, you could sort by these also, but you could see here. And these little check boxes bring up their exposures and all 100, whatever amount of lineups they have. Then you could click on whatever you want. Click on that, click on this, click on this, click on that, click on that, and they'll put them side by side. And then I toggle full screen so I could see them all. And you could sort by, you know, the field. You could sort by ownership. You know, you could do all of this. This is what results DB is for. So utilize it. So looking at the YouTube chat. Hey folks, in the YouTube chat, hit hit that thumbs up button. Let's see if let's see if the, the apple juice. Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, Kagan Hopkins asks, uh, "Who did the who did who did the Roto Grinders, the Roto Grinders, have projected higher last night of Wright, Powell, and Lamb? I would be Powell then Wright then Lamb, based on what I saw yesterday. Because I played Powell, I played Powell in cash. So yeah, so Powell was projected higher than Wright. I played Wright on Yahoo, but I played Powell on DraftKings. Lamb was a bit below below that." It's hard to project Lamb now with, uh, you know, because also uh, Sabonis got injured. So that obviously takes away so much usage in the second half in that game that you know, obviously Brogdon, Lamb, and all those guys were able to were able to get there. Nick Zable says, yeah, I saw on yesterday. I saw on FanDuel yesterday. Some guy was winning 100K but didn't switch out Lonnie Walker. Right, he had a zero in his lineup. Oh, well, that's what you get. How did people land on DeLon Wright? He wasn't popping in the optimals. He was close. He was fine. He was fine. DraftKings, he just was a little a little expensive. I mean, 5,500. He was fine. Uh, Raul says, many times those top scoring lineups are negative EV. How would you advise DFS players to identify a good lineup that didn't win versus a bad lineup that did. This is the reason why I say you study top players, not top lineups. Okay. So we could go back here into results DB. I'm going to go to the fadeaway. I'm going to take a look at this. Like some, like one Marla Hooch. Is this a smart lineup? Okay. This isn't like an awful lineup or anything. A lot of times it's the onesies and twosies. You take a look, Jake Lehman in this lineup and Tony Bradley and Cole Anthony who didn't project well like a lot of there's a lot of leverage here you got Luke and LeBron in okay you got that done you got Bam I mean this isn't like awful for large field but playing two 3k guys like the fact that you were able I mean just like before you got your two studs to go nuts but you still didn't get enough points to win. You got DeLon Wright in there. I mean, look, look at this lineup. You take a look at this lineup, but then once it gets down here, yeah, Tony Bradley outperformed his salary, but just did not get enough raw points. Still didn't get enough raw points. Ended up 12th. So you like, you got the best case scenario for this lineup. 
You got a Tony Brad. You got Dwight Howard. You faded him. You played Bradley instead for twelve hundred cheaper. You got a ceiling game for Tony Bradley. You got a ceiling game for Delon Wright. You got nuclear games for Luke and LeBron. You got a, enough raw points for Bam Adebayo, and you're still like you're still twenty four points behind behind first. That was your best case scenario, and you still only got two grand, which is fine. Okay, you won two grand. Take a look at this. Gene McDaniel's Gary Harris. If you were able to jam in, I don't even, I see Luca, but I don't see LeBron. So the, you got a, you got the best case scenario out of this lineup and still only came in 15. A Gonzo 2008, what Soviet? Stanley Johnson, Jason Tatum at 8,900 on a minutes, most likely minutes restriction. Got a nuts, got, you got 10X out of Anthony Simmons, Simons. Like, here's a Luca LeBron lineup. Okay. It relies and with Howard and DeLon Wright. It relies on the fact that you're, they go nuclear and you just need to get enough raw points. Still didn't. 360, 26 points behind first. You got the perfect outcomes here. You still couldn't get to, you still couldn't get there. So that's why I look at these lineups and go, am I going to learn anything from these? No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn them from, from the players that play well. Right? I'm not just looking up here at, at RBX or something. I mean, I could sort by ownership to entries. And I, I don't care where they finish. Chetabisk, he's a good player. What did he do? Right? Oh, ton of Lowry that didn't get there. Ton of Edwards that, whatever. I guess he's the same as Diallo. Looking at this, Chipotle, oh, Chipotle Attic. Okay, what did, what did he do? Oh, okay. Did a lot of constructions that didn't include Diallo, but played Brunson there probably instead. Yeah, and Malibon. Okay. What did Squirrel Patrol do? Still played a ton of Howard, even though he was, he was on crunch time saying Howard's the one that's going to bust, if anyone. But still, how do you get away from him? He just projects too well. So you can see what he did. Go through DeCults. He's a, he's a good player. Doesn't matter if they won. It does not matter if they won. I want to study good players, not top lineups. You can bang your head against the keyboard to get a first place finish sometimes, right? When the chalk fails and everything goes haywire, and you take a look at the first place lineup and go, how the hell did that work out? Like, what are you going to learn from there? What, what, what type of thing are you going to gain where you could now repeat this in the, in the, in the future? Oh, you're going to learn to like bang your head against the keyboard more often and hopefully you get lucky. I mean, there's nothing to learn from it. You take a look at the users that you would have no problem trading your results for their results over the course of a year, two years, five years. I trade, I trade my results for E. Hafner's results. So I want to make similar decisions that he makes or the Colts makes or Squirrel Patrol makes. There's different, there's different decisions to make. Just because Chipotle Attic, you know, faded Diallo and made different constructions doesn't mean it was right or wrong. While the Colts went the opposite way. I want to see the constructions and looking at the, the ways that I got different. Like I played Smart and Levine as, you know, shooting guard type of leverage. I want to, I want to see 
how many sharper players did something like that? Not many. Truthfully, not many. I looked. Not many. Marcus Smart was not all that owned. So that's what I'm looking for. And then what did they do instead? Then I could look and go, oh, okay. I didn't see that that was an option. I could have I could have not played Diallo and played a ton of like uh, Mal- Maladon. I mean, basically switching Maladon here. Brunson. I mean, these are things that I considered anyway, right? I had one Brunson lineup. I had one Maladon lineup. I had Ricky Rubio. I'm just looking through this going like, yeah, I, this is... LeBron, I just, I didn't have, I didn't pay up for LeBron. Didn't pay up for LeBron. And then where did these let, yeah, a little less Luca, less Toby, less Lillard. And that's where you get LeBron in those lineups. I didn't play Drogic, right? So you just look at, look at where they got different. If you go, if you're going in and you're like, and you could sort, you go through all the, all these players and like no one made lineups that are anywhere close to yours. Uh, maybe you got a problem. <laughs> that that's a good judge. Or you go in here and you say that, oh, uh, I made lineups that were stone chalk in, in large field GPPs. Like if you go in here and you're like, okay, I think I did pretty good. I played a lot of Howard Diallo, Anthony Adebayo, Curry Lillard, Roby Luca. Just uh, I mean, like then the, how are you gonna win a GPP? You played all of them in the same lineup, you played a cash lineup. Like that's not gonna win you a GPP. Like where did these users get different and still maintain projection to some extent? How much leverage did they gain for the projection that they lost? Now, obviously, a lot of these players have their own projection models. It's not going to be the same as here at Roto-Grinders. It's not going to be dramatically different, though. Okay? Just understand it, especially in basketball. The differences in our projections here at Roto-Grinders, which you can get our premium NBA projections from our great projections team with, with premium. So sign up with the link in the description below. $10 off your first month. Projections are great. But the projections aren't going to be any that dramatically different. It's like Bradley Beal today, right now, according to 9.17 in the morning, his projected meeting is 50.62. Another model may have it as 48.91. Okay. Another one may have 51.22. Okay. Like it's not going to be, you're not going to go and go, well, if you give him 36 minutes, some other model is like uh, 67 points. Like it's not, it's not going to be that dramatic. A lot of times you're projecting minutes, like the actual like simulation of the range of outcomes is not going to be that dramatically different. Obviously, if you project them for less minutes, they'll have less points. They have more minutes, they'll have more points on average. So that's where the deciding factor really comes into our project, our projections team. They're not making up this middle number. They're allocating minutes. There's 240 minutes on the court to go around based on the rotations and based on everything, based on the matchups. What's the median number of minutes that they're going to assign to each player? And we have obviously an NBA. This guy sets that guy's out. This thing happens. And you have to adjust this all the time. So while you may go, you may look at Bradley Beal and go, no, I think he's only going to play 34 minutes. You could just, you could do that. Oh, put it in. See, I just did that. Right. So his, his meeting goes down to 
if you trust our projections team right now, they're giving them 36 minutes. You leave it at 36, right? Or did I just give them three? Maybe he only plays, yeah, maybe he only plays three minutes. So if you want to give him three minutes, he's going to be very poorly projected. But I'm going to delete that here and he goes back up, right? 50.62 right now, as of right now. But that's what they're basing it on. I mean, like, so you could use what you remember from the projections and you could go back in time and see them. We have that option here on lineup HQ. So I could go back to yesterday and see the projection versus the actual, right? That's what we have here. Look, Luca, 86, right? If we take a look here, like someone asked about uh, Powell, Powell, Wright, and Lamb. See, Powell was projected median 28. Right. Right, 28.34 versus Powell, 28.08. So actually, Wright was actually projected higher. But of course, Powell was 300 cheaper. And then we have Lamb, 19.48. But obviously, he's 4.4. So you could take a look at this. You'd look at this. I have one excluded guy, Shake Milton. Get Shake Milton back in there. I could even run this and see what the ultimate, ultimate optimal lineup was. 429 points, right? I mean, like, we're not even close to... 386 won the big field GPP. If you manage to play Luca, DeLon Wright, Powell, Thad Young, Daniel Tice, Anthony Simons, James, and Cantor, you won. You did you couldn't have made a better lineup. So you could go back in time and line up HQ and you could even build based on this if you want. You could compare things. You could look at the projection versus the actual of, of any slate. That's what we have now. That's new. It's lineup HQ review. So you could do that. So let's bring this back to, let's let, let's go back. Let's go back to the present. We went, we went back to the past. We're going back to the future. I wish we could go back to the future. I sub I have Russell Westbrook here for some reason for three points. You could bring him back up and look in the YouTube chat. Adam G, uh, Posted in chat. I had Shy, DeLon Wright, Norman Powell, Porter Jr., Roby, LeBron, Smart, and Ellington in one five thousand. That's his first GPP win. Well, there you go. Hit the thumbs up button. Everyone congratulate him. We're hit the th thumbs down button. Right? Right. Maybe you don't want him to win. Maybe, maybe he screwed you. Maybe you want to win. I don't think the YouTube algorithm knows the difference. So hit a thumbs up, hit thumbs down, whatever. Everyone's congratulating him in the YouTube chat. They're probably just secretly jealous. I wish I had that lineup. Jacob Calloway asked, when late swapping for MME, is it a big leak to upload the CSV in the late swaptimizer and real build lineups and re-upload? No, no, that's not, that's not a leak. That's what you should be doing. I mean, obviously I'm playing five lineups now, so like, I don't have to do that. I could just like manually. It's not that hard, right? Five, yeah, I only have five lineups, but when I'm playing 100 lineups, yeah. We have the, the rebuild late swap functionality in lineup HQ, and you go through it. A lot of times, and yes, you're, you're asking the question, do you go over each lineup? It's it, Depending on the time crunch, it's, it's kind of hard to do that. 
a lot of times I'm I'm trying to jam I'm trying to jam in value that is going to be under owned just due to the fact that it's after lock. So a lot a lot of times late swap wise, I'm less concerned I'm less concerned individually, because also a lot of times what I'm doing if I'm playing a hundred lineups is that I'm seeing what lineups are performing badly, and just like taking those, like you go into the CSV you take just those. You throw them in, and then you X out the chalk plays. Like, you know, like, like yesterday, you X out uh, Diallo. You X out Curry. You know, you do something like that. X out Carmelo Anthony. And then you run it because you have duds in your lineup. Yeah, you're not going to win a GPP, but maybe you save the lineup to min cash. But you're not going to, not when you have to chalk all around it. So you could do that. A lot of times when it comes to my top lineups, if I have lineups that are close, that have shots at winning first, I'm usually not going to have like, oh, I have 50 lineups that have a shot at winning first. No, it's typically like maybe two or three. I'll pay attention to those. I won't I won't throw them into CSV or anything. I'll look at them specifically and manually adjust based on there. I may use lineup HQ to do some like research. If I switch this guy and that guy with this guy and this guy, is that good? Is that this? You know, and I could use the, the lineup preview to like lock this guy in, run this, and li- and then and see which which is the better option to go through. But still, I end up manually changing it on DraftKings. And Andrew Burton. Oh, everyone always asks about FanDuel for results DB. They don't have publicly downloadable CSVs, so we there's no such thing as results DB for FanDuel. It's 2021. How do you not have that yet? They don't care. So, so yeah, that's the, that's the only reason. It's not, it has nothing to do with Roto-Grinders. That's due to the fact that, like, DraftKings is a little, a little bit more transparent. You could just download, you could go, you could go to any contest and download the full CSV for it, no matter what. And FanDuel, you kind of, you have to be in the contest. Okay, going through the YouTube chat. Uh, Nate Branshaw asks, is there a tool on lineup HQ where you could build groups based on number of players from a team and not specific players, such as if two players from team A are in a lineup, use one from the other side? No, that would be like a stacking rules, very similar to NFL. Uh, We don't have that for, for NBA, primarily due to the fact that like NBA correlations are so weak that it's, it's usefulness is limited. You can do that with the players. I mean, that if you want to build those types of things, you do. You use it with conditional groups. I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't think your your salaries and everything and the correlations are weak. I don't think there's a purpose to having like you know all the teams and do you want two plus one and three plus two. It's it's not it's not good play. At least in NFL, like you're stacking in MLB, you're stacking. We're that we're 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 advising towards proper correlative play for those sports. NBA, you you can make correlations, but it isn't a, the forefront of your lineup construction. If it happens, it happens. Or you if you're going out of your way for a certain scenario, for one specific game, sure, then do it. But no, but we don't. We don't, we don't have that. I don't know if any, any other uh, optimizer does have that. 
Well, I'm telling you, it's just not, it's not as important. If I, I could do that all in player groups. Yes. It's more complicated to do in player groups than just checking boxes of teams and number of players. But then I don't want to promote, like, that's how you build NBA lineups. Cause you're going to build a lot of lineups that, Oh, it has a ton of correlation, but who cares? Like you're not gaining much from it. Like your, your median projection is 17 points lower than everyone else's, but you have a three plus two stack. Yeah. You probably shouldn't be playing that way. Michael Lingenfelter, first sweat of the year, pivoted off a of Lillard and Green for Drogic and LeBron James and finished 10th out of 750th in the $27 single entry. Uh, best part was seeing the, the, the results DB of Chipotle Attic having the same lineup as, as you in the different single entries. So there you go. Nice sweat. Came out 10th, okay. You'll get there. But the difference between 10th and 1st is ridiculous. That's why you look 10th. It's like, oh, but it's like, if I just gotten four more points, you could have like made like four times the amount of money. Uh, I, wish, I wish the payout structures were a little bit flatter. Let's see. People are talking about, yeah, there's a soccer slate today. How much Man City is too much Man City today? Well, they under, Man City is very underpriced on, on DraftKings. So, uh, yeah, so you're probably playing a lot of Man City. Uh, if you if you if you want, we have soccer projections here, Roto Grinders. Sean Dusham, Alex Harden, PSU fans too, and uh, Fear My Turtle. They do the the, the specialist projections, and uh, they're they're two of the top DFS soccer players in the lobby. Right, they're on my block list, so like that 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 should say a lot, right? And I think I'm I'm on there, so whatever. We're on each other's block lists. So if you if you want if you want soccer stuff, sign up for Roto Grinders. The combo package, ten dollars off your first month. Click on the link in the description or in the podcast description or wherever. Sign up for that. Nick Zabel asks, "What's the best contest to build bankroll smartly?" I'm new to NBA this year, and as of lately, I've just been doing one dollar triple ups and two dollar double up single entries. Well, I mean, it really depends on your goal. Like there's no such thing as best contests. It depends on, on, on you. What is your skill level? Your goal in contest selection is to find people that are worse than you, which is going to be hard to do if you're bad, <laughs> right? Essentially. So answering what the best contests are without the context of your skill and the skill in, depends on the format. I'm good at making cash lineups. Okay. I'm good at making single entry GPP lineups. I'm good at making large field GPP lineups. I'm good. I mean, it really depends on your skill on what the best contests would be. Truthfully, if you have a small bankroll, playing cash games is you're not gonna you're not gonna get that far. Unless your goal is to play high stakes cash games, I truly believe that you should not be playing. If you I have a hundred bucks and I'm playing ten dollars in cash games a night. To turn $100 into 10000 is going to take you forever. You, you might as well just find a part-time job. I'm, I'm coming to this from the point that you're trying to play seriously. This is recreational. This is a hobby. You like some beer money. Then, yeah, play fine. You can make 50 bucks a month in a little hobby. Go for it. That's perfectly fine. I have nothing against that. But if you're looking to play seriously, as, as a side income, as an investment... 
like for just from a cost, just a cost and effective analysis, like you're 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 better off getting a part time job at that point. So like that's why to me, with small bank roles, doesn't mean you play large field GPPs, but play within your means and try to try to bink something. And once you build it up, then then if you want to start turning to cash games to even out the swings, then go for it. I know a lot of people won't say this. A lot of people. We'll say, oh, you play 80% cash and 20% GPP, no matter what, right? And you play these exact contests. Like, I'm not, that's that's not true. It depends on your skill level first. Then secondly, it depends on your goal. Because yes, the least the lowest variance games would be, yeah, the one dollar double ups and you know, those types of things. But if you're playing 10 bucks a day, understand what what is a reasonable re- return on investment on those games at the lowest stakes 15% i mean you're not going to get 15% at the highest anything higher than that but let's say an elite level roi in the low stakes for cash games is 15% that's elite and you're the best you're playing $10 a night that's an expected return of $1.50 okay so whatever you did for whatever you whatever you did for your research, whatever you did, you sweated it out and all that, you got a buck fifty for it. On average, that's your expected return based on that ROI. Is it worth a dollar fifty to go through all that? Even at a hundred bucks, let's say you're playing a hundred dollars a night in cash games. Fifteen bucks. I mean, that's if you're elite, and this is what I'm talking about. If you're playing low stakes and you're elite. 15 bucks. I mean, if that sounds good to you, then fine, then do it. Okay. I don't want to judge people or anything. I think my time is worth a little bit more than, uh, than 15 bucks for the entire day. If you're playing a thousand dollars, now we're talking about 150 bucks. Now, when you're playing a thousand dollars, you're, you can't play that all in low stakes action. So now your ROI is going to start going down. Cause now you're going to have to play $5, $10, $25 double ups and head to heads. So maybe once you get up to $1,000 a day, now your effective ROI goes down to 8%. If you're elite, if you're elite, 8% of a thousand is what? 80 bucks. So now you're playing 2,000, 3,000. Your effective ROI goes down to 5%, 6%. So now we're talking about 200 bucks expected return okay 200 bucks a day that sounds pretty good yeah what's wrong with that okay that's doable 200 bucks a day and you play every day that's six thousand dollars a month that's pretty good now we're talking about seventy two thousand dollars a year okay but now in order to in order to put down three thousand dollars in cash games at maximum that should only represent about ten percent of your bankroll at maximum to me, I think your bankroll should be more than that. So if $3,000 a day is 10%, that means you have to have $30,000. So what's your bankroll now? Well, my bankroll's 300. Well, how are you gonna get your bankroll making $1.50 to $3 to $4 expected return in low stakes cash games before you get up to $30,000? It's gonna take you years. You know what would be easier to do? Just get a part-time job and it's risk-free and just save up $30,000. That would be easier. It wouldn't be as fun. Yes, I get it. It wouldn't be as fun. 
but you're asking me for you're asking me for the advice. What should you do to build your bankroll? A lot of times to build your bankroll, it's to not play DFS and do something else. And then you take that money. Then you then it may be worth it. But that's 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 the mathematical answer. That's the, the not fun answer. But it's the real answer. Uh, Chris L, I see the question. I still the questions. I have to always scroll up or down to see all these things. Okay, let's see. Chris L, with the lack of MPE, multi-positional eligibility on FanDuel, would you be likely to give up more projection for GPPs than on DraftKings? Yes. Right, because the, the, everything's so much more rigid on FanDuel. But the problem is on FanDuel is that the pricing tends to be much softer. So the differences between lineups, you're going to have a much uh, compacted range of well-projected lineups. So like the difference between lineup one and lineup 300 is going to be much closer on FanDuel than it is on DraftKings. Because DraftKings tends to have tighter pricing, which means that whatever, Dwight Howard, like you're going to have to play. Like it's, you're not going to be able to find value to make up the points anywhere. Fanduel, you can. Fanduel, Fanduel. A lot of times, you you're you're looking at at a position going. There's three underpriced players here, and you could only play two of them. On DraftKings, you can play all three, so the lineups get, tend to be a little bit more overlapped, and you're more likely to have to use them because that's the only way to keep your projection up. On Fanduel. You got a lot more underpriced players, a lot more lineup construction that you can make that could be projected well, which is which is good, but it's also a curse to some extent. Of like you're looking through, going, well, I I, I have like two hundred options, and they all are projected like within this much of each other. Well, which ones do I play? Huh? Play whoever you want at that point, right? That that's that's what happens on Fanduel. But yes, depending on the slate. I'd be more likely to give up projection because it's you're more likely to give up projection because of the strict positional caps. On DraftKings, you don't have to as much because a lot of these players fit in multiple spots. Let's see. Michael Lingofelter asks if we could exchange the thumbs up here for DK points. No, I don't. I don't. They're called crowns. I don't give out crowns here. You give me the crowns. Let's see. Neil O asked, how do you use ownership to make lineups? Trying to understand how to go opposite of the field. The whole goal is to make well-projected lineups that have less ownership than other lineups. That's what leverage is. I mean, I can answer this question, but it'll take probably take me 15 hours to do so. I mean, it's, I mean, it's like one of the core concepts of uh of DFS. Luckily enough, I have I have a course that can answer all that for you. It's called the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. It's a 15-hour audio masterclass about the entire game theory of DFS. Doesn't matter what the sport is. So if, if you if you want to learn more about that, probably be better than or watch this. Obviously, watch this show every day. I mean, I talk about it all the time. We were going through results DB. Where did the top players get leverage in their constructions? Oh, some people did it this way, some people did it that way. Some people went this way. Some people went zigged and zagged and all these options. All pretty, most, I don't want to say all. Sometimes I don't agree with them. But most perfectly viable options for a tournament 
a GPP of this size, a huge GPP. If we looked into the single entry stuff, like you'll see less, less of those leverage type of plays because you don't need as much. But you can learn all about that in the theory of DFS, theory of daily fantasy sports, me and James McCool, 15 hours in your pocket, all the audio. You'll, you'll get better. Look at all these testimonials. What, are they lying? Probably. <laughs> They're sucking up. But we have all these, all these, all these chapters, all these fancy words, right? It's not as complicated as it looks, right? It looks, oh, this is going to be a lot of math. I'm going to have to go get notes and math and a calculator. You, you know, you, it, it doesn't have to be that complicated. But yeah, but those type of questions, yeah, they'd be best suited to answer in the course than obviously explain like two hours worth of stuff like on a, on a show. We only got five minutes left. Uh, let's see. What looks like the chalk construction tonight? Well, obviously, I, I who knows who's going to be in, who's going to be out, right? We don't know any of that yet. I do that. Okay, we still have the 917 projections, right? What's going to be the chalk construction? Now, is Christian Wood is questionable, or is he out? Is, is he on more on the side of being out? Based on our projections, we're just projecting him out, okay? So this could change, obviously. But based on Cousins being out, if you want to see what chalk constructions are, just go to lineup HQ and just run a couple of lineups. Well, 20 lineups, okay. Based on our projections, here we go. Oladipo, Cousins, Matthews, Beal, Robinson, because the, the, the Wizards are still shorthanded. Kennard and Marcus Morris, because the Clippers are shorthanded. Rudy Gobert for raw points, and there you go. You look through here. Basically, Gobert-Cousins combinations. Marcus Morris, Oladipo. Someone from the Wizards. Two guys from the Wizards. This is on DraftKings, obviously. So this, this is where you can tell. You could just, just run it. Just run it! And you'll see. So most likely... Uh, let's see. Who do we have on this slate? Center-wise... Versus a box. So we don't have a pay up center, but we have some pay up guards. So basically, we got young Westbrook, Mitchell, kind of pay up y Randall, pay up at power forward. So now, if I'm going to, let's say I run a little bit more lineups, I run 50. So in the top 50 lineups, I'm, lo I'm looking for that. I'm looking for. Do we get a Randall lineup? Do we get a Mitchell lineup? Do we get something like that? Like, do we see Randall here anywhere? Peyton, Barrett. So no. Pay down, power forward. Pay down, power forward. Even PJ Tucker gets in there. So most likely, based on this, is obviously, as of, I mean, things change and this could all flip, right? So don't take this as, Seven hours from now, this is going to be exactly as, as it applies. But from what it looks like, you're going to pay down a power forward. It's going to look like you go even in, in center spots, assuming wood is out. The spend up guard is more likely to be Oladipo and Beal, which means that 
guys like Trey Young, Westbrook, Conley, Mitchell are going to go under-owned. And Randall also, based on these constructions. So now we think in terms, okay, let's say I want to get super leveragey in a, in a certain sense. Okay. So we're not going to play Beal. We're not going to play Oladipo. Okay. Now what happens? So if I don't play Beal or Oladipo, what do these 50 lineups look like? Let's look at Cousins and Gobert. Now you start getting more Trey Young and Westbrook and Mitchell. So if we take a look before, build two. Here's the line. Here's the optimal lineup with that with with all those guys in. Two seventy one point six two, and three hundred one ownership, current ownership, which could obviously change. Two seventy one, three hundred one. Two sixty three, two sixty eight. So you're dropping, dropping like seven points. Yeah, you're dropping almost seven points. Are you gaining all that much? Two sixty eight is not all that drastic of a difference. I mean, you're getting lower ownership, but maybe not as low as you should be getting for that projection drop. That's how you judge. So maybe you don't, maybe we look at this and we go, okay, maybe you don't fade both of them, but you only play one of them. So I'm going to go in, I'm going to make a group, Bradley Beal and Oladipo. And let's see what those lineups look like. That could only have one of them in it. So we saw before that the lineup, the optimal, has both Beal and Oladipo. 271, 301. 268, 286. Okay, so that's you're getting closer. But of course, now you're playing like four Rockets in this lineup, so maybe you group them out. This is how you're judging your lineups. Maybe I want to look for the lowest owned out of the top 50. Still only get down to 268. But this isn't all that bad, depending on the contest that you're in. Are you willing to sacrifice six points for this amount of ownership on a three-game slate? Depends on the contest that you're in. Maybe you are. Still playing a lot of Kennard and Morris together. That's going to be a chalk combination. Maybe you're not playing them together either. So you start making these groups and you start seeing, looking and researching lineups for the contest that you're in. How can I be different and still maintain somewhat reasonable of rejection? There's no specific number. And get reduced ownership in the process. Obviously, it's much harder on a three-game slate because there aren't that many options. But on 10-game slates, you'll see that, wow, everyone's going to play. Everyone's playing Steph Curry. Everyone's playing Dame Lillard. It's like, well, I could just play LeBron and at five times less ownership. And what do those lineups look like? Oh, it's a difference of one point in projection. Well, those are the lineups you probably should be playing with GPP. So that's how you can tell. What's the chalk construction? You just use the projections and look, look at what fits in. The knapsack problem of fitting everything in and see what comes up more than others. Let's see if we got one or two questions before we get out of here. Let's see. 
Okay. Let's see. Going through. Going through. Mr. Shatterdog, are you going to help us in MLB too? I hope so. Uh, hopefully MLB will be back, right? And we'll be back, what, April? We'll be doing the same thing in April, right? I hope so. I'll, I'll be here every I'll be here every morning at 11 o'clock. That, that's what we do. That's our routine. You wake up, maybe you go to work, maybe you're working from home. Maybe you're just unemployed, I don't know, maybe. You tune in to the Roto-Grinders YouTube channel, 11 a.m. Eastern time, or you watch it later, which is perfectly fine. But you know me, I like, I like the thummy thumbs in the YouTube chat. So do that on your way out. But this is our routine. This is our little routine. If you're new here, welcome. This should be your morning routine when you're playing DFS seriously to some extent, I guess. And uh, which means I'll, 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 I'll see you tomorrow. It's same place, same time. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blenderhead, Blender HD on Twitter. Find that guy, hunt that guy down that has Blenderhead on Twitter. If anyone could do that. There is a monetary reward. You can hunt that guy down and just let him let let, let me have Blender Head as as a name on Twitter. If you could do that, that would be that would be that would be much appreciated. But I'll see you tomorrow on another episode of the DFS pregame show here on RotoGrinders.com.